Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and uh, this is Season 2, Episode 18, and uh, we're coming to you live from quarantine still, but hey, (laughs) news today, fellas, things are going to get loosened up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Boy, that sent some people off the deep end, but you know, uh, (laughs) it it just comes down to being being smart, you know, and doing what you're supposed to do, and if you don't feel good, don't go out. If you're not comfortable going there, don't go there. So yeah. anyway, I think it's it was remains to be seen if it's a good move. But I, I'm all in support of the governor and trying to get things back opened up a little bit too, if we can do it. Yeah. Well, I just need here. that haircut, man. I need May fifteenth. <laughs> I've seen you in a hat more the last month. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a reason, man. I, it looks it, good. Hey, well, look at my mom. You got to see when I wake up in the morning. I got stuff sticking up all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I got a couple antlers on my head. Oh, I tell you what, if your barbershop. Hey, I always have horns. Uh, your barbershop's open up. I'll just load everybody up from over here and still labeled in the red. Uh, Lynn County, we'll hop over to Green County and get our hair cut. Is that how this is? Right. Yeah, that's okay. probably going to happen. So uh, anyway, well. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I hope it works. I hope people are smart and it, and it works and we can start taking small steps that direction. That's the whole key. You know, you got to take small steps at some point and hope people do the right thing. So you bet. We'll do our part. Well, hey, um, you know, let's talk about hometown ticketing. Guys, we haven't talked about that for about a week. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> Our friends at Hometown Ticket, are you an AD who is interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Could all use that. Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, we're going to have to. You know, we're going to have to do some different things. Well, this is the right time, and I suggest you take a look at Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket buying experience that takes place directly on your website. They don't have to create an account, a password, or even download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part is, It doesn't cost your school or athletic program anything to get started. So own your ticketing with Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of VNN Sports and the official sponsor, one of the official sponsors of Beyond the Bench. So visit www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. 
That's www.hometownticketing.com. And, you know, we just read, Scott, you just shared an article with us just less than a half hour ago. Yeah. About how things are going to change and having, you know, paperless entry is going to be very important. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, give Hometown Ticketing a call and see what they can do for you. So there's Hometown Ticketing. But we got another one. We aren't done yeah, yet. Yeah, here we go. Hey, we get, we're, we're full of them here tonight, folks. Well, I've got Gipper first. I just want to give a shout out to Matt Glick uh, at Gipper uh, for um, giving our Iowa Girls uh, Coaches Association access to uh, Gipper um, for this month for our coaches throughout the state to recognize our seniors. That was a really nice gesture on Gipper's part. So um, thank you to Matthew and Gipper for that. So want your athletic program to stand out on social media. Now you can with Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds, literally in seconds, on any device and without needing any design experience. Try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. Thank you, Gipper. No doubt. Hey, how about that wallpaper? You guys see the wallpaper you can do now? Yeah, I did see that. Oh, is it? did they yeah. put that on Gipper now? Yeah. yeah. You can do a little bit phone, and uh, I put it out there to our kids. A couple seniors hit me up. I did a couple wallpapers for them, put their number on it and their name, and sent it to them. Cool. Yeah, very nice. Can you put your sponsors on that, too? Not on that one. Okay. Well, you could, because I've I've got our logo on it, but you could put any logo on it. Oh, but you can't do more than one logo? I don't think so. Okay. That's cool, though. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, hey, how about a show? Hey, let's do it. We got a show to do tonight. Yeah. Um, we got a special so guest tonight. We do have a special guest. I tell you what, folks, you're glad you tuned in tonight. We have got a, uh, we, we got a heavyweight. Uh, yeah, we got a big hitter tonight. Uh, we've got one of the big dogs with us here. We're excited to, to welcome uh, to the show uh, Phil Rising tonight. And I'm not going to try to steal his thunder here a little bit, but just to give you a, big, a bit of background on Phil. Um, and uh, and everything he's been up to, I guess, uh, up to tonight. He is uh, now retired. So he don't look old enough to be retired, but retired AD out of Kentucky uh, and, and just a giant as an athletic administrator uh, in, in Kentucky. He was the Kentucky Athletic Director of the Year in 2003. Uh, he worked, uh, served the Kentucky High School Athletic Association for 10 years as, as a chairman on one of their boards. He's been named a state-level district administrator of the year by the Kentucky Association of School Resource Officers. He's earned the NIAAA Distinguished Service Award back in 2008, the NIAAA State Award of Merit for Kentucky uh, as well. Um, he's been on the NIAAA board. My number's right here. I think it's not since about 2010. You've been engaged at the board level, uh, Phil, with the, the NIAAA, um, including serving as president of the board of directors in 2013. And in 2016, um, Phil was... Uh, Joined the NIAAA staff full-time, was named the Associate Executive Director of the NIAAA July 1, 2016. He's just been a tremendous leader, servant leader. Um, man, he's is 100% accessible at the National Convention. Anytime I've had a question or just wanted to have a conversation with Phil, bump into the hallways, he's always open to have a conversation with me and anybody there. Um, just all-around great guy and really looking forward to, to what you've got to offer tonight. Phil Risen with the NIAAA joining us tonight. Phil, thanks for coming on board. Thank you, Aaron. It's a it's an honor and a privilege to be here, and you're much too kind in your introduction. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I'm an athletic administrator. 
Uh, I'm a servant leader that uh, loves to serve kids and our coaches. And at the end, what we see, the result we get in the joy of our heart is seeing our student athletes uh, be able to have the opportunity to excel in what we hope is class programs ran in, in a manner of sportsmanship and in a manner of integrity that promotes education-based athletics. But thank you for those kind words. Well, you guys are doing it well, and, and you've been a tremendous asset. Uh, like I said, you've been, uh, you've been on the board as, as long as I can remember. I mean, I started as an AD in 2008, <laughs> and, and you were, I mean, you've been one of those folks who've just been the leaders of the, of the organization um, for all that time. So I, I hit the highlights and, and, and the awards and, and the, the plaques and all those types of things. But just, Phil, talk about your, your background, your path. What got you into what you're doing and, and your journey to get to where you're at right now? I think, uh, you know, when I look, at, uh, look back and reflect, First of all, I was blessed enough to have two wonderful parents who supported my brother and I in everything that we did, supported us in a manner that they were going to be there through the, the highs and the lows, but they always were very supportive of teachers and coaches. And we always, in a sense, that we were to do it right, to work hard at it. And winning wouldn't the winning was just a byproduct of doing those things. And so I reflect on that how blessed I was. And so growing up, I was involved in all the little leagues and all the programs out there and whatever. My father coached a little league. You know, my my father. Uh, interesting. I really think uh, this probably led to it. He was the timer, the official timer for football and basketball for my high school for 37 years. Oh, wow. So it was a situation we all know what it's like to have an individual that you look up. You don't have to worry about game night because they're there for, yeah. a, for a junior varsity game, for a varsity game. You never had to worry about it. And so I would always tag along. My brother would tag along. There's seven years difference between my brother and I. So he was a, a very athletic uh, as well. And so I got to follow him pretty much. And so it was a family affair. And uh, I was blessed with that. And so from that, pretty much through uh, high school, playing ball and whatever, I ended up going to a junior college uh, down, in, um, down around Mobile, Alabama, Spartner State Junior College, played basketball and baseball. And I was there one year, and uh, Coach Jack Robinson, who uh, just recently retired and who's a dear friend, uh, talked me into coming down there. But it was a long way. And I was uh, 19 at the time, was in love. Uh, and just uh, had to, yeah, I got to be honest. I was in love, you know? and and you know when I look at that decision, uh, guys. When I look at that decision, I've been married to that lady I was in love with for thirty four years. So that was probably a pretty good decision that I and I tell my old coach that all the time because we stay in, in great contact and I get the opportunity to visit him, and he's a dear friend. But uh, so I went back to Eastern. Uh, Eastern Kentucky University, and uh, Coach Max Good was the basketball coach there. I walked in his office, told him, I said, Coach, I said, you know, I can't play at this level, but, man, I love the game, and I just want to be around it. And so, uh, Coach Good, I was a manager for three years for the basketball team there at Eastern and worked on a primarily my business education degree, uh, wanted to teach and coach. And so, from that, kind of got my first job at a, a small single-way school about uh, 350 kids, and I coached basketball and baseball, coached the freshman team in basketball, was the head baseball, and, and drove the bus. And, you know, a little story I, I often think about. I remember 
when I first got hired, my principal, I went to the mailbox and there was a, a note in it that said bus training such and such day. And I remember walking down to the office, you know, here's this 21-year-old, 22-year-old. I walked down to the principal's office in, in 1985 and I look at Mr. Goins and I said, Mr. Goins, this was in my mailbox. I said, I have no desire to drive a school bus. I'm not interested. And I, I won't tell you in a roundabout way what he said, <laughs> but basically he told me real quick, if I was going to work at Paris High School, I was going to drive a bus and I was going to be glad that he was letting me drive a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I did, I started, I drove, I drove for every football game. I drove, uh, I drove the team for football. I drove every basketball game, the freshman games. And then being the freshman coach, I also drove the varsity games. And then being the baseball coach, I drove for the baseball. And so, uh, you know, that's what I, I tell people all the time. Never say never mm -hmm. because you don't know. And so then from that kind of area, I went to a, a bigger school there in Mount Sterling, uh, about 30 miles east of Lexington, and pretty much spent most of my career there. Uh, a couple other stops. Gary Dearborn hired me as, as an athletic director, was my first AD job. And that was in 1995 and uh, went to work at Harrison County. And then from that, kind of got the call back to go back to my old school to be assistant principal and athletic director. And, you know, uh, just kind of figured I'd be there for a while. I really loved the community. My wife and I, we were involved in our church and just everything was really great. And uh, kind of was just going to be assistant principal and AD. And uh, uh, in 2000 and um, in 2001, my superintendent walked in and he said, uh, I'd like for you to be director of operations at the district level. And I said, I don't know about that, Dr. Freeman. I said, that doesn't include athletics. He said, if, it, if you come down, it will include athletics. <laughs> and so from that point, I went down. And so at that point, I like to tell the story. I was over the four B's. Beans, balls, buses, and buildings. <laughs> so I, I was over food service. I was over the buses. I was over buildings and grounds. And then, of course, athletics. And that kept me extremely busy. Uh, that kind of parlayed through hard work. That parlayed into my last seven years as being assistant superintendent over those. kind of. That was kind of his way of promoting me and, and giving me uh, some credit for through that and through that through that process, I, I was involved and in, we built a, a four million dollar gym. We redid our football stadium. We redid our baseball stadium. We redid it. So we were in a facilities upgrade. We upgraded our whole high school. And so to be a part of that and then to go back, my son-in-law teaches and is an offensive coordinator there in football. Teaches math and my daughter works in the system as an occupational therapist. So. We haven't in the last six weeks been down there <laughs> no, because we've been just like everyone else. And it's about to kill us with uh, our grandchildren. But uh, so, you know, kind of in that situation, Aaron, that was kind of my career. And I retired uh, in Kentucky. It kind of it's a situation where once you get a certain age and you have a certain number of years, it doesn't behoove you to stay any longer. And so uh, at that point, Jim Watkins, who had been the executive director in Kentucky, had kind of stepped, stepped aside, and I took the executive director's position there. And, you know, you made a statement, and, and I want to clarify because 
you know, you said I've been on the board since 2010, and I have, except for one year, and that was the year where primarily uh, I was the executive director in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, but just to show you how fortunate and how blessed and, and thankful I am, and it could be any of us, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time because the way our board rotation works, section two, uh, with the number of states, you only Kentucky only gets a board member once every 24 years. Mm -hmm. And so I just it just happened to be at that time, and I just happened to be in a leadership capacity with the KHSADA and was honored enough by our that board to select me to represent Section 2. So, you know, um, it just – I'm blessed. Uh, that's kind of – it a little bit. Paula and I have been married for 34 years. She's a kindergarten teacher. So I'd come home late and she'd be there on the couch with cutouts everywhere and whatever <laughs> for, you know, kindergarten. And, and she was just a very supportive wife. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I think for my brother and I, and a lot of people know, but they don't. My brother was a basketball coach in Kentucky uh, for 36 years. And he is uh, uh, going into the KHSA Hall of Fame. Uh, he was supposed to go in in May, and they've had to postpone that. But he's a, an accomplished umpire. He's worked like six state tournaments in, in baseball because he and I used to umpire uh, and kind of a family thing. And so sports has just always kind of been in our background. And a part of that's because of our parents and – the nurturing and they pushed us that way because they knew this, it would give us discipline and it would, it would provide us with those skills that we needed in future in order to be successful. Well, that's a great story, Phil. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. You know, you mentioned you were over the, you were overseeing the four B's. I can't imagine you're getting a lot of Z's during that time though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's a crazy job. Oh. Well, you're you're right. Sleep was not a prerequisite. Not happening. And, and you know, one of the things I enjoy now that I didn't enjoy then was snow. Uh, there was a <laughs> seven year period that I could the, the weather because you're constantly watching weather, and um, you're absolutely right. And then the phone would go off at three thirty in the morning or whatever, and you know, you've had a fire alarm go off here or, or whatever. So it, it was, uh, um, it uh, was challenging, but it was also uh, an opportunity for, um, to, you know, learn a lot, learn a little bit about a lot of things and being engaged in some of the things, being a teacher, you know, I, I thought I had an understanding of what, uh, maybe our food service staff, maybe what they were going through. But once you get in there and you work with those individuals and you understand their desires and their, their passion, um, you, you gain a, a greater appreciation for the job they're doing on a daily basis. And even during all of this that we've been experiencing the last six weeks, what have schools been doing? They've been feeding kids. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, in these situations, what does that tell us about the people that are involved in education. A lot of truth to that, absolutely. Um, 
Well, we'll come back to, to just all the experiences that you've gained and, and, and pass some of that on, but we're going to jump in here, Todd. We've got a, we kind of mentioned this just last week off the cuff and, and you decided why not cannonball into the deep end with it? Well, and why not let Phil get involved in it too? You know, so here we go. We're there you go. Put his administrator hat back on him is what we're going to do. All right. So it's just a scenario and we're going to call it, what would you do? And uh, this is a real life scenario, no names um, given here, but here's a scenario. All right. Athletic director comes into a community several years ago. Um, there's a head coach and the staff. They're all hometown people, homegrown. Um, and they, they have a fairly successful program. And all of a sudden, people graduate. So the head coach resigned when the good athletes left and was just absent for a few years and even made the statement that I'm not going to stick around and coach those losers, made a statement like that. Two or three years later, um, some other athletes come into the program. And so all of a sudden he volunteers to come back and be a part of the program because there's some good athletes there. So he comes in, the school board approves him, even though the athletic director was not too sure about the whole situation. Um, the board approved him and he came back in and started working with just elite athletes, just the best, just the cream of the crop. It's all the coach wanted to work with. This coach also, uh, has talked negatively about the AD in front of community. Anybody who will listen, uh, speaks of no support, things like that. Just any, anything to get a dig in. The administrators, the principal and the superintendent do not like conflict and do not want to confront the situation. So the AD is a teacher slash coach, not a full-time administrator and needs the support of the superintendent, the principal, but does not get it. So this AD doesn't feel like they don't really know what to do. Uh, they don't know what avenue to go with. Um, got kids in the school. Uh, this coach's kids will also send negative things about the kids. You know, it's just a whole lot of drama. Oh, what would you do? <laughs> uh, it's a tough one guys um when you're an ad slash coach and teacher you're wearing a lot of hats and you're not really the one in charge but you're it's one of those things unfortunately this is what drives a lot of people out of the business yeah i you know i if it was me there there would definitely be a conversation with that coach and I, it doesn't have to be a adversarial one. I just think it's a, hey, I heard that, you know, I heard, you know, there's been some things said in the community that's gotten back to me. I just want to discuss what that looks like, why you feel that way, how can we work through it? Because obviously if she's not, you know, this person's not going to get the support uh, of the superintendent or the principal. It's a tough situation. So um, I think you just have to sit down and have a face-to-face and I know that's uncomfortable, and that's a tough one, but um, 
I'm sure you're just going to have to walk lightly and, and have a political tightrope there that you have to walk, but I'd have a face-to-face conversation and kind of just address it with that coach, knowing that the superintendent principal probably aren't going to be there to back you up. Yeah. And I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, I guess it depends. I mean, that would be t- that's a tough one, man. It's really tough. But I think you got to confront it. Yeah. If you don't, I think it's just going to keep festering and festering. You know how that goes. It keeps festering underneath that scab, and all of a sudden that scab's going to pop open, and then it's going to be a mess. Wow. Graphic. Sorry. I'm curious, Phil's thoughts on this. Well, I, I, I do concur with Scott. I do think there needs to be a conversation. I think, um, uh, first of all, I think anytime you deal as a, as young, as a young athletic administrator, and, and we're not talking about age here, but I, I, I've tried to mentor young athletic administrators to where they're going in and there might be a coaching veteran who's been there 20 plus years, who has the community support, has a lot, has built a lot of capacity within the community, community, mm-hmm. and the athletic administrator sometimes feels, in a sense, uh, uh, a little bit threatened. And uh, I guess my position would always be: uh, you're in charge, uh, according to your job description, you're in charge of what, of managing and running this athletic department. Understand, you get to be the the tone setter. And so I always say you get what you tolerate. And going back to what Scott said, if you tolerate the fact of the negative talk, if you tolerate the fact that he's only going to work with elite athletes and not with a future in mind of building uh, future players, working with younger players and and whatever. And I kind of go back to, I'm going to just use an analogy last night, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Michael Jordan fan, okay? If anybody doesn't think he's the greatest. <laughs> you know, now, just to show you generational, I used to tell my father, Michael Jordan's the best that ever played the game. And my dad would say, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a guy named Oscar Robinson you need to meet. Yep. You know, and nowadays, you know, I'll say that and my son will say, whoa, 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 LeBron James. <laughs> so, you know, I think that keeps us all going, but. Last night, when Phil Jackson talked about the fact with the triangle offense and asking him to be to do less and it create more, this is a situation where that athletic administrator's got got to communicate, set the expectations. I would always I always encourage documentation because the simple fact is if there comes a day where I'm going to be in front of a principal or a superintendent. I want them to be able to know that this is what I've addressed and these are the conversations that I've had with this individual. Some of these battles you win, some of them you don't. And so for a young athletic administrator, that's a hard scenario. Yeah. I just think it's true that this person's put in a situation where they feel like the coach is only a certain type of athlete. Because we all know, at the end of the day, if that's the way you run, you're not have success very long. Because you you need to develop kids no matter where they're at. Because especially in you know football or basketball, you need to have those role players. And if you don't have those, you're just not going to be successful. You might be successful successful for a year or two, 
but you're not going to have any sustained success with that kind of leadership. Yeah. I come back there. There's another conversation here for me on this one, Todd. Um, Cause I, either you're in a school district here where um, there's a, there's a vision and a mission, a, a purpose statement for your, your athletic program that isn't being upheld or there isn't one uh, in place at all uh, because there's no direction. If it's going to be, well, yeah, we'll tolerate this basketball coach kind of coming in and coming out with the players. Um, and I guess I would, I would want to sit down and, and have a pretty strong conversation with the principal and superintendent saying, look, what, either this is our vision mission that we have in place and we believe in this and buy into this and we're going to um, hold our programs to this standard and, and, and this basketball coach and the direction it's going with this program isn't meeting that standard. We got to fix it or, or we don't. And if we, if we don't believe in it or we don't have something in place, then you have to have that conversation about what is it? What is our vision? What's our mission? Why are we doing what we're doing in the first place? Um, and, and then let's stick to that. Uh, I think you can come back on, you're always going to have, I don't want to use the word rogue coaches, but you're going to have, uh, ego gets the better folks uh, from time to time. And so you, when you've got those standards uh, that you set that are based on a vision and a mission for your program, when those types of things start to happen, uh, you can kind of use the, use that as the, I guess the structure or you know, to, to rein things back in and say, man, I get what you're saying, but that's not what we're about. That's not, we, we talk about every kid. We talk about every kid future ready. We talk about every kid having the opportunity to use athletics as, as a, as a way to unlock their potential. And, and we, we either buy into that or we don't, and, and this isn't fitting that model and, and you bring them back that way. Um, so I want to make sure I had that conversation with the upper admin too. I say either we're, we're about this or we're not. And if we're not, and maybe this is a tough spot for me to be. I, I, I kind of go back to our 3D coach training, and we ask our coaches, why do you coach? And this would be a, a, just some easy questions to ask this coach in that mm -hmm. meeting I was talking about. Why do you coach? Why do you coach the way you coach? How does it feel to be coached by you? And what is the definition of success? And that might be a way that this AD could start that meeting along with the fact that, you know, they're hearing some negativity in the community too. Yeah, those are all good. And uh, I told the AD I would pass some things along and I know they'll be listening to this, uh, but I'll also we're follow thinking, up. With we're thinking about you. Whoever you are, we're thinking about you. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we'll, uh, I don't know if we'll have these every week, but, uh, you know, if you got a scenario out there, you want us to kick around, uh, give us a shout out, let us know and, uh, either via a phone call or an email and, uh, we'll, we'll certainly talk about it and uh, see what we come up with. But there's, you know, like we talk about, uh, go national conventions, state conventions, whatever it is, there's other people out there who have faced this scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the other thing I, I told, told the AD as well was, you know, you're not the only one and, uh, we'll, we'll find some things out, but, um, other people have been through this as well. So there you have it. What would you do? I don't know what our music interlude would be for that. When we start to be able to plug some music, we gotta, in, we, gotta we gotta start working on those, uh, segue musics right we there. Do. We do. Cause we, right now we just kind of shout it out, but that's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> that uh, that scenario has like Metallica or something like that. Right, with- yeah, that's got to be some mega death, maybe. <laughs> we can play uh, Eye in the Sky for Alan Parsons since everybody's watching Michael Jordan right now, watching the last dance. We can pull that in for every segue we got. <laughs> Why not? So, well, since Phil's a Chicago Bulls fan, Michael Jordan fan, we know that now. That's what we could play. Just imagine that playing in the background. And now we're going to hit Phil with some questions here and uh, uh, just look forward to learning from him and uh, hearing from him here. So, Phil, I got the first question. And my question is, what qualities do you feel are most important to be an effective leader? I think uh, when you think about leadership, and I think of leadership – Whenever uh, I first started as a teacher, coach, it was kind of a benevolent dictatorship. Benevolent dictatorship in the sense that uh, I had a principal. You didn't have site-based councils or school councils within. The principal pretty much was in charge of that building. And that was kind of a benevolent dictatorship in the sense that I care what we're doing, but I'm in charge and I'm going to make decisions. You might not like those, but guess what? You're going to learn to live with. I think what we've seen evolve is uh, more of a capacity building type leadership in the sense that um, when you look at leadership today, I think it's important that we are able to communicate. I think we have to be able that communication to me is a key. And, you know, um, I often think sometimes it, it, It bothers me whenever uh, I watch on TV and just because someone has a different political view or a view, period, it doesn't mean that we can agree to disagree or find some common ground. Sometimes I long for the day whenever uh, politicians uh, say what needs to be said and they say it in a manner to where they're not worried about which side of the fence is on. So communication to me is a key. Integrity. I think you have to have integrity in the, in the sense that uh, they have to know that you mean what you say, you say what you mean, and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to be there to do it. I, I'm going to back it up. I'm going to have the integrity to stand with you. And, you know, so I think, you know, when you think about qualities, and we could go down the whole list. You know, you can start talking about all of them. But today, in this day and time, I think communication is so vital. Um, and I think it's even becoming more vital because sometimes as we become more uh, socially engaged on our social networks, we could have a tendency to disengage. And that's what we're trying to teach our young children today. You know, I often think sometimes. You know, uh, I tell Kobe, uh, Kobe, go tell your sister that, uh, you know, supper's ready. And I look and he's texting her. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, w- get, no, get off your seat, get up, <laughs> go up the steps, tell your sister to come down supper, you know? And I mean, it, and I realize it's a convenience, you know? And, and so I think, I, we worry. I worry about that moving forward. But for me, qualities I would want to see in a in an effective leader would be: I want integrity. You know, there's tough decisions that have to be made in running a school, in running an athletic department. There's tough decisions that have to be made as as a coach. I, I always one of the things that pained me was being in a situation 
in the state of Kentucky in basketball and happened to cut a player because some kids grow up with the fact that um, they love the game because it's everywhere you go, it's all it's talked about. But the, unfortunately, when you can only keep so many, you have to make those tough decisions. And so I, I, so I, I go back to, I guess, uh, communication to me is a key. We have to be able to communicate that message. And part of that communicating that message is not being able to, uh, being afraid to say what needs to be say said, but it needs to be said in a compassionate manner in the fact that just because, you know, I can't put you on this team or I can't, you're not going to be a part of this team. I care about you. Let's see if we can find some other ways in which you can make a contribution. And, you know, I'm going, Scotty Pittman, I mean, just think of that attitude. Yeah. You know, and I, I saw somebody post, uh, you know, when Michael Jordan didn't make the, the varsity, his mother didn't go call the coach. No, no. She told him what? Get back to work. If they yeah. really care, go back to work. And those were, those were traits that we were taught and we're trying to pass on. But in a, in a society, it's harder and harder to pass those type of traits on that we're dealing with. So it makes our job that much more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Hey, Phil. Um, thanks for being here. Um, I was lucky enough to be a part of the strategic planning process um, in Indianapolis, which was awesome. But tell us about that re recent strategic planning process and how that guides NIAAA and what benefits have you seen from that? Well, it's, it's the roadmap. And as Aaron uh, reminded me, I, I have been in that boardroom a long time. Every time there's a board meeting, understand that strategic plan is out in front of each board member. And we go through that strategic plan and we talk about items in the fact of what we have accomplished and what we are getting ready to accomplish this year and what may be future accomplishments. Uh, the, the NIAAA is so far ahead of the curve in the sense that uh, one of the meetings Mike and I had last week was with Cognia dealing with our accreditation. And they, they've they been so impressed with the fact that they're pushing schools to develop strategic plans. And they're like, you all been doing this. You know, you're on your fifth one. Mm -hmm. And so it's a guide. It's an important guide that we use. Uh, we want to keep it out in front of the membership, I think, because, number one, it's membership-driven. Number two, it holds us accountable to the membership of these are the objectives, these are the initiatives. And as you know, Scott, by serving on a strategic plan, there's such a broad base from throughout the country, and the ideas that come in uh, are um, ideas that drive us toward, hopefully, meeting the mission of education-based athletics. Um, we're currently in the process right now of sharing uh, the board. The strategic plan uh, meeting was in October. We brought the 24 members in. Mark Armstrong from Nebraska was your general chair. Trish Whitkin was over operations. Rich Barton was programs. Uh, and and Scott Norty worked with finance. And, and so, as you know, I mean, and you were there, you know, being a part of that. So then what happened is, is you all refined that from October 
to December. It came to the board in February, and the board refined it a little bit. And so currently, we've had three section meetings. One was actual being there. Mike was able to attend Section 7, which was in early March, and it was in Las Vegas. So all the states in Section 7 met, and then we've since had two virtual section meetings with Section 8 and Section 1, and we've shared the strategic plan with them. And so what we're doing now is accumulating data, getting feedback from those initiatives that we're sharing. And then primarily what's going to happen is the board will make a final adoption after we've got all that data compiled from the sections. We'll make a final adoption in, in July. And then at that point, we will share it with the membership in Tampa in 2020. But I would say based on, um, and Scott, you probably have a better comprehension of the area, but I would say three, more involvement. We've got, as we've grown, We've got to get more people involved. We got to figure out how to, you know, we're not a membership of five or 6,000 now. And if you look at that, we had to, you know, pretty much the same. So in the last three and a half years, you've seen us add three committees, resolutions and membership. And then the board just in February established a mentoring committee. So we've got to look at ways we can, uh, build more involvement. So that's one thing. And then I would think financially, always making sure that the, the NIAAA is financially solvent and preparing for a rainy day. And then finally, I would think uh, one of the other things is always membership growth, trying to attract those that uh, that are out there that are not members and showing them the benefits of being a member. So we're excited about the, the new fifth strategic plan. We have. Um, Two items we're focusing on this year as we complete the four strategic plan. And, um, you know, things that have come out of the strategic plan have driven the NIAAA for the, for the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. That's good stuff. It was fun to be a part of that process. I know it was, and that was a good group. And, you know, besides uh, um, you, have a, you, have, you work hard. And yeah. it's pretty intense, but uh, hopefully, you know, when they leave there, they said, well, they, they, they treated us well and they take care of us. So, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was fun. It is. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Scott's bringing all the expertise back and leading us through our, just got going last week on our second strategic. Yeah. All that. So Scott's yeah. driving us forward on that. So, um, so Phil, you mentioned a bit about the section meetings. So just let's, we can't avoid the topic right now. So let's talk about the topic. So how, how has COVID-19, how's the pandemic maybe affected you guys at the national offices and how you guys are operating uh, and maybe what you're doing day to day? Um, maybe how it's changed some of your responsibilities in terms of communication with, with ADs across the country. And then you mentioned the section meetings and maybe that new dynamic. And then maybe um, how you're looking ahead towards potential late summer fall implications. Well, um, as you know, Aaron, one of the first things uh, went – on March the 13th, whenever we kind of disassembled as a group, and we kind of had our final staff meeting, we were breaking off to start working from home. You know, the, the question, Mike and I look at each other and we're kind of, are we ready for this? Are we prepared? Are we, you know, and so we kind of made a plan where he and I would maybe come back into the office, you know, once and whatever. And, and what it ultimately ended up involving is we didn't have to come into the office. Uh, our staff has been phenomenal. Phenomenal in the sense that uh, I've sat here in my, 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 I call it my dungeon, my office basement 
Uh, and it's, you know, I've kind of got uh, used to it, kind of where I kind of like it a little bit. It's got a treadmill over in the corner. I got a TV over there. I'm able to do some things. And, and you know, um, I don't have a window. I miss that, okay? But we've had to do some things. It's forced us to do some things. But our first concern was the membership. Our first concern was our athletic administrators who are out there, and to borrow an expression, just kind of sitting in the wind. And we're thinking, okay, so so then you, you start looking at what do we have we can offer. We currently, right at that time, had webinars taking place. They were our regularly scheduled spring 2020 webinars. So we looked at that and we thought, okay, but, you know, those webinars we have scheduled primarily for us when we're working because we're offering those primarily after hours a little bit. So we looked at trying to offer webinars. And then I just, the brainchild was, is we got to talking about it as a staff is, you know, we had these excellent workshops at the national conference that, you know, and I know that if I go as an attendee, the most I can probably attend if we have five sessions is five. Now I can go back and pull some of the PowerPoints and whatever, once we post those on our website, but you know yourself, unless you're actually in there getting that and being fed, you don't really get the full value of it. So at that point, we reach out to the Steve Thornies and to the Aaron Steckers and we say, hey, you did a workshop for us. It was a great workshop on leadership. Would you be willing to share with our membership? The workshops have been phenomenal. Today, for example, we had a workshop. We had 200 in there. I think when you and Thorny did yours, Aaron, I think there was 275. Exactly. And then we don't know we don't know how many are going back and able to watch that again. Now, so it's we're we're excited about that. We've been able to service that kind of on the fly. Nellie's been working out of her home. We've been able to access our databases. We've been able to, you know get all that information together. It's just a matter of reaching out and communicating with people. And here's the great thing about all this. And I had the first person, Mike and I, when we've called and, and asked someone, hey, would you be willing to share your workshop? Or, hey, would you be willing, you're on the national faculty, would you be willing to teach, you know, 611 or, or whatever? No, the first one's not said no. Their, their answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Which, in my heart, pleases me because it tells me what our organization's all about. And that's serving others and trying to share of ideas. And, you know, um, as coaches, you and I maybe would try to beat each other. As athletic administrators, we're trying to help each other because we see the greater good in the fact of servicing our kids and our future leaders. Who, who knows, this next time something like this happens, it could be some of these student athletes that we've been working with and our coaches have been working with that have been in our programs. And I'm hoping they're getting the skills to prepare them. So it's been an adjustment uh, right now, kind of where we're at. Uh, we've got everything scheduled out until Memorial Day. And Mike and I right now are kind of in our thoughts. Okay, that's probably we need to back off a little bit. Let's get into the summer. What we're hoping is athletic administrators will start to be able to get back into the building, back into their settings, and they're going to be so engaged with trying to prepare for the fall, we hope, 
that they're preparing for the fall, that at that point they don't need any additional training or there, there's not us sitting in front of a computer. It's more of us actually being on site and managing our programs and, and making preparations for the fall. Our board meeting in July, right now, uh, we were going revisions, publications, all of those we're doing virtual. Our board is going to meet again in um, May the 15th and make a decision on whether they come in. They wanted to wait until that possibility. July is always a busy month for us. And so uh, uh, we're gonna do revisions via virtual. So if the, anybody comes into Indianapolis this year, it will primarily be just the board. At this point, that decision hadn't been made. Uh, I, I saw the other day, I don't know if you all have seen it, the Federation summer meeting. Uh, they, they've gone virtual. And so they were, they were going to be in Denver, I think in late June, and they, they've gone virtual. So uh, it's not, we're having a great conversation tonight. It, I'm able to see you all and, and that helps, but I would rather be sitting across the table from you, talking to you, drinking a, a Coca-Cola or whatever, and just kind of, you know, I, I just, to me, the personal engagement is what's so valuable in our business. And, you know, I was talking to an AD today and I said, boy, the hugs when we see each other in Tampa are going to be a little bit different than they've been, than they have been in the past. Yes, they are. They should be. I hope they are. Um, I follow up question real quick on that. Just uh, are there some things that have been born as a result of this that you guys think you look at as a board and say, huh, that works and we're going to stay with that in some way, shape or form? Well, I think what uh, what we're going to see is when we reach out now for workshops for Tampa, we're going to tell them besides, besides presenting in Tampa, we want you to present your workshop sometime during the course of the year and us be able to offer it to all the membership. So I think that's grown out of that. I think we've seen a need to maybe offer additional webinars in what we're offering. There's a balance there, Aaron, and the balance we don't want to, we want our, we want our states to teach. We want ours because guys, you all in the state of Iowa, you know the ADs, you know that you have the relationships. So we want you all to teach mm-hmm. and teach at your conferences because that's how you build capacity within your state association. And so uh, I think we're going to look at that a little bit. We don't want to offer, to- you know, and that's kind of like uh, online learning. Our online learning is taken off during this time because there's been a lot of downtime. But I think you'll only see us ever do online learning just for our core courses because that leads towards certification. And by the way, while I'm thinking about it, I think, uh, Todd, congratulations. Absolutely. That is awesome. And I salute you for that achievement. And, uh, that's an honor and, uh, just congratulations. A lot of people don't realize how hard you have to work in order to obtain that level of certification. And thank you for, for your service. Thank you. Yeah, kind of going back to uh, what you said a little bit earlier, I, when you talked about, you know, maybe the next generation that we're training up, if they're seeing us do some things, I, I made that comment to our coaches and I think to a lot of our state ADs as well when I had an opportunity was now more than ever, they need to see us leading and they need to see us 
because that's what we've done all our life as coaches and ADs. We just adapt. We come up with plan B or C or D or E and we move forward and we just keep trying things. So um, hopefully we're, we're teaching our kids that just when things happen, you've got to find a way to get things done. And uh, we hope that leadership lesson kind of, kind of, kind of sticks with them. I think that's my hope for our, our kids too. Phil, um, as, as you work with ADs and other associations, state associations around the country, what are one or two areas you would challenge us to continue to improve at or, you know, to focus our energy on to be better at? One or two things that we can work at to be better at. I think one of the things that probably concerns Mike and I, and, and I think uh, the most is that the, the turnover rate in the country and in, in the athletic administration profession. And you all shared a scenario there that, uh, when you think about that scenario and you, do, you and you look at the age demographics of our athletic administrators, mostly the age demographics is plus 40 and above. And for most of us who've gotten into the profession, we've probably either uh, gone through the, the avenue of coaching and then from that maybe parlayed into athletic administrator as an assistant or as a game manager into that. But I think we're having a lot of young athletic administrators get out there and they're on an island sometimes. And I, I think so. I think that's why you see the mentoring committee being so important and us looking at ways in which we can service uh, the young members in our state or just to, and they might be, when we say young, it could be a, a first year athletic administrator that's the age of 50. Mm-hmm but they've been coaching all their career or whatever. And now all of a sudden they're trying to lead those that maybe they've been worked, been working with. And that to me is one of the hardest things you want to test your leadership skills is to go and be being a coach to now, you know, you're one of the guys that's kind of like the old teacher, uh, you know, uh, staff room. They used to say when, when I walked in as a teacher, you know, everybody was talking and going on. When I walked in as assistant principal, all of a sudden, boy, things got quiet. You know, and so, so I think about, I think about, I think that's one of the things that concerns us. And then, you know, our, our challenge at our office is, is that we often say you don't know what you don't know, and I think that ties in with mentoring in the sense. We, we've got so many states that we need to reach. And so we've got to be a little bit more strategic in planning. And I think you're going to see that come out of our fifth strategic plan. So I think for us, Todd, we want to be able to work with mentoring. And then the other thing we have to do is support. And support in ways in which uh, we're able to give the professional development that provides the growth for the individual to be able to grow. You know, as you well know, growth is, is, it's an option. You don't have to choose to grow. It's an option. And, but if you choose that option, then there needs to be resources that strengthen you in order to grow. And I was thinking of something while you were talking about leadership, when you were talking about they need to see us. And I was just thinking about, you know, Moses, whenever he was taking him across the Red Sea, you know, and he's got to raise his arms and every time, you know, and so that, that's, that sticks to that leadership. We need to be out in front 
They need to see us leading. And I, I, I used to tell a coach all the time, he'd say, what did you think of that timeout? You know, maybe during a crucial time. And I said, you know, if I thought bad of that timeout, I'd have been down there calling it. You know, I put you in that seat for you to call it, and I'm going to trust your judgment. So um, when you think about what's out there, where we're headed, uh, I, I, and I, I don't mind sharing a concern. I, I, I share a concern in the sense I'm worried that we'll get so enamored with online learning and virtual learning and whatever that we'll forget what a good handshake is and a good hug is and a good uh, conversation is. I worry about that. Yeah, because I can see uh, I can see school districts looking at it as a cost savings way of per, of presenting education, and without the teacher in the classroom, without the coach on the quarter on the field or wherever it may be, I don't think we have instruction because nothing exists without relationships, and we have to develop those relationships. Yeah, you can't develop that over Zoom meetings. Correct. You know, and uh, yeah, thank you. I, I, you. When you made the point about, you know, some other states you've got to reach, that's kind of how we become at the state level, because we have some sections of our state that we've got to figure out how to reach, that we just don't have, there's, there's two in particular, we don't have involved like they need to be involved. So that's a great segue. Yours is just on a bigger scale. Statewide, ours is regions of our state. So I think anybody who's listening from another state knows there's regions of their states they've got to reach too. So that's a great, great parallel. Thank you for that. Well, and Todd, we used to have that in Kentucky. We would have pockets of excellence, but then we would also have those pockets where they're not joining. Why? What? What? What message are they not getting? And so you know, you're right. And it's just we look at it from. Um, it's kind of like looking at it from a perspective of, you know, being a high school person who taught in the high school, coached in the high school, was an administrator in the high school. When I went to central office, I found out there was elementary and middle school, mm. you know, and I mean, and of course my wife, would, she laughs at that because I used to, you know, I'd tell her all the time, I'd say, golly, you are wanting to, you know, every time, you know, I walk into the elementary school. Those little kids, you you love them, but I can't be the one where I feel them on my paint leg. You know what I'm saying? Hugging me and whatever. So it's just we have to look at that as, at a perspective of how can I serve an underserved area better? Yeah. Great point. Thank you. Bill, could you share an inspirational story or a situation you've come across in your travels? serving the NIAAA that really sticks with you and, and now impacts the work that you do for the NIAAA? Well, I, I don't know if it's inspirational. It's inspirational to me. Um, when I think about, I think about when we, what, what we're just talking about, uh, as I shared earlier, I think about the fact that um, all the athletic administrators in the state of Kentucky, that I served with and I worked with and I would go to the conference with and we would sit there in the vendor hall and we would talk about these scenarios that you've talked about or, or whatever. Yeah. I think about Jim Watkins who just kind of, you know, saw me there and he said, Hey, you know, uh, we could really use you to do this. And it was just a little tap. Mm -hmm. 
and it was just a little guide mm-hmm. and it was just a little pool. And I'm thankful for that. I, I'm thankful one for Jim having the confidence, but I'm also thankful for the fact that I had uh, enough confidence in myself to say, I want to be a part. Mm-hmm. Now that's not inspirational. I'll, I'll share with you just something that today I got a note from an AD that I served with on the board my first year. And, uh, I love him dearly. He's in the he's in the Atlanta area, and he coached football. And uh, he when he was coaching football in college, uh, he played at Eastern. And so we were serving on the board, and we're driving to to dinner one night. And he talked about we got to talking about that, and we found that connection. And he talked about Phil, what what is that smell when you're at EKU's football stadium? And I laughed, you know, and I said, <laughs> "Well, coach, I said that's our." That's our ag farm that is purposely planted to be right over by the visitors area. Strategically, that is planned. Coach Kidd has done that on purpose. But we got to talking about hope and the word hope. And today he sent me a, a, a note that said, just want you to know hope still exists. It's still alive. Don't ever let it out of your sight. And when he went off the board, he gave every board member that four letters, H-O-P-E. And if you walk in my office to this day, there you will see those four letters. And so it brings me back full circle in the fact, I didn't know this guy from Adam. But from a relationship standpoint, and finding the connectivity of we care about kids, we care about our coaches, we care about programs. And, you know, I developed a relationship there that's a lasting relationship. And I'm thankful for that. And the NIAAA was a part of that. Our state AD associations are a part of it. I often think, you know, uh, I would love to see everybody be able to attend a national conference. Because I don't know, I, it's hard to tell it until you've been there. Yeah. Because I, I can tell you when I first started going in 1995, I was wore out by the time I left to go. <laughs> and when I came back, it was like, you know, I had been shot up with adrenaline. I was ready to go. Yeah. I had all these ideas. And you know what? It's, it's what you get when you're around like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm who believe in the same thing you believe in yeah, and you can't put it into words. Yep. I agree. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Phil, the first of the two questions we ask all of our guests uh, when they're on the show with us. So if you could go back and talk to a young Phil Risen, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him and what advice would you give yourself? First thing I would tell him is, be patient with the process. Uh, and the reason I would say be patient with the process, Proverbs 16.9 says, in a, in a heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And I didn't share with you earlier, during that seven-year stint that I was an assistant superintendent, uh, I interviewed for 13 superintendent's jobs in the state of Kentucky. Mm. And 
of those 13, seven of them, I was finalist. And I always was told, hey, you did a great job. You're going to be a great superintendent someday. We love your passion. We da-da-da, we whatever. And it got to the point to where uh, after a while you start to doubt your yourself. You know, I can remember going for an interview and my wife saying, this is it. This is it. And I said, you're sure? <laughs> and I think for me, that journey, that journey, um, I think God knew all along. He just sometimes he takes some of us the long way. And, you know, and I, I say this, Aaron, the reason I share this with you, I didn't think if you'd have told me in 1985, someday he's, I would have told you in 1985, I'm going to coach for 30 years. I'm going to teach business and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. And it just seems like that journey takes us different roads. And so for me, uh, I never thought of, I never thought about being a superintendent, but when I came an assistant superintendent, my superintendent said, you need to go into the superintendent pool. I said, Dr. Freeman, I, I, I really, I'm good. I have no, no feel you need to. You're, you're superintendent material, you need to. And so I asked him after the 13th time I was told no. <laughs> I said, do you still believe that? He said, you know, I do. But when, when this job came and I was offered this job, it was kind of like the floodgates had opened. And I could see that vision that I was blinded from. And so I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a, a man of faith. I believe that uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I do think that um, from that, I've been guided. And as I shared with you, when I reflect back to those 27 years uh, that it takes for Section 2 to have a board member, or that could have been somebody else. Uh, so I would say to, to the young Phil Rising, be patient with the process. I don't know if I enjoyed the journey. I think sometimes the journey beats us up. And we're in a profession, guys, that it's easy to get beat up because we get, you know, we get negative. We deal with so much negative. We deal with positive, but it seems like the negative sometimes can outweigh the positive. And it seems like we're always putting out fires. And that can take a toll on us mentally and physically. And ultimately, it can end up impacting not only us, but it can impact our family. It, it can impact our loved ones around us. And so I'd say today, um, when you look at that journey, try to just enjoy that first step, that second step, and realize in the end, Hopefully, the journey will – you've been directed in a manner in which you've been productive to, to serve others. You know, um, I, I guess I feel blessed, and so that's probably why I say that. Other people would say it's, well, you know, you just – you know, it, maybe it's not that. Well, I think when I look back at it, I think it is, and so that's why I say that. I think that's great stuff. Thanks for thanks for just being so open and honest about all that. Thank you, Phil. Good stuff. So, final question, Phil, and uh, you'll knock this out of the park. I know. What's your why? 
when your feet hit the floor in the morning and uh, maybe you don't always go down to your basement, but maybe when you your feet hit the floor and you're headed to your office or, you know, this is your office now, so it doesn't matter. But what's, what's driving you? What drives you every day? Well, um, I'm a very passionate person and I think what we're doing is making a difference. I believe in what we do. If, if I can't believe in what we're doing and what's taking place around the country that our athletic administrators are doing, then at that point, uh, I can't be a part of a process where I don't believe in it. When I know, see the, the Aaron Steckers, the Scott Garvis, the, the Ty Gordons, and I see everybody else, and I see the job they do, and I listen to you guys on a daily basis, and you talk about what's up, what's down. You talk about what's going on here, what's going on here, how to help others. It drives me. When I go to the national conference and I get to see you for maybe it was the last national conference, but I see that look and that I, in your eyes, I believe in what I'm doing and we're making a difference. It drives me and it motivates me. And, um, you know, I, I've got two grandchildren and I often think both my kids were participants in education based athletics. And I often think I want those programs to be there for them. I want them to be coached by coaches who are coaches of integrity who are going to challenge them to be the best they can be, but prepare them for that road that is going to be less traveled as they grow and develop. And so that's probably what drives me in the sense is our members motivate me. I love, I love our organization and I love what we do. I believe in what we do. I think it's important. And I, I've often said this and I'll, I'll finish with this, Todd. Any, I'll tell any superintendent in the country, and I, I can say it, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue how hard your athletic administrator is working. You don't understand the job and the impact that they're making. And I can say that to them because I've been in that shoes, and I've seen it on both sides. And I think for me, it challenges me to – can't continue to promote the value of what athletic administrators do on a daily basis. Great. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. So I am almost, I, I don't know that I want to go into closing, closing thoughts here, Todd, although I think it fits into a bit what we're, we've been talking about, um, but just to kind of get some final thoughts and wrap the show up. Um, been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm reading uh, Joshua Medcast book, Hustle. Uh, right now is one of my books I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through and uh, came across in the chapter I was reading here this morning, This and I shared it out on, on my, my Twitter account, my Instagram account today as a, as a challenge out there to our community. Um, but the quote was this, is the, the real key to unlocking your potential, or to unlocking your potential greatness is a willingness to say yes to what most people say no to and a willingness to say no to what most people say yes to. And and I'm thinking about Phil's story today and his journey today. And times he stepped up and said yes, even though he knew it was gonna be hard, you knew it was gonna be tough, you knew it was a, you weren't sure how that journey was gonna turn out for you, but you said yes and 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 you and you got into it and you did your best and came out better because of it. Um, I'm looking at I've been thinking a lot here the last few weeks about what what comes next. And I feel like we're gonna have this window of teachable moments. 
this window where our kids and our community and our parents are going to be sponges, right? To just soak up whatever we're willing to offer them. And how are we planning to use that as ADs and as coaches and as schools? How are we going to use that to, to pull them in even closer? What we're trying to get them to do is be a person who um, is willing to say yes when it's tough or say no when it's tough because it's in your best interest of becoming the best person you want to be and becoming the best teammate you want to become and, and, and the best version of yourself. And so I just have been thinking a lot about how are we going to take advantage of um, that moment uh, that window, because uh, when they're teenagers, that window won't stay open very long. Um, but when that window is open for us, how are we going to take advantage of it? Curious, you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think the key is, like you said, we just can't – we can't show up whenever we're allowed to show up and say, okay, now we go back to work, because that's going to look totally different. We have to somehow anticipate what that looks like. Um, it's like the article Scott just sent out about when they come back to our stadiums in the fall for football, we aren't going to be able to crunch them together. How are we going to, we need to plan now for getting in, you know, you're, you're, you're ticketing. We may sell more, you know, online tickets now than ever digital tickets. How are we going to work concessions? Are we going to have people in the concession stand and then people piling around there at halftime? What these are things that, I mean, at the high school level, we have never thought of, but we've got to think about. And I guess that's a great quote, and it's that's deep at a lot of levels, um, because we can't say yes to everything when we go back. Everyone's going to be excited. We know that, but we're going to have to say no to some things too. Um, and I, I think, yeah, we're going to have teachable moments. The thing that always comes back to me, too, is when things start to spiral a little bit and they get so busy, I think we'll be able to pull back to remember when you had that time with your family. I, I think we can pull, pull them back to this time and remind them that it doesn't have to be that crazy again either um, when things start to spiral. You know, maybe we'll just appreciate having contests. We will appreciate the fact we can watch our kids compete. And I bet we say that to parents more than once if they start to spiral out of control. Shouldn't you just be happy you're here? <laughs> yeah. you know, let's enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, on a bigger scale, I think we've got to plan for some of those things, what it looks like when we're pulled back into our venues. Yeah. I, Aaron, I, this, I met with my coaches today via Zoom. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was just like, what are you afraid of? What, what kind of things are we going to be prepared to do? Uh, what are you afraid of now? What are we prepared to do in the future? And this, when you said this, it really made me, it hit me today because we talked about what are we willing to do in the future now to make sure that we continue to provide our kids with an awesome experience. And that's going to be a little bit different now. And how are we going to, and just kind of like Todd said, even with venues, but how are we now going to, and I, I know Todd hit on this really hard this last year, was just the mental health of our kids is going to become even more important. Um, how are we developing our student athletes, not only as athletes and athletic performance, but how are we developing them with their life skills? 
coping with them, facing adversity. I know, Aaron, you do a great job of, of your uncommon theme and your coaches have had great messages. Um, I just want to make sure, and I said this today, I need to, and, and we talked about being out in front and leading. I need to be, you know, that person that I aspire to be now in this time when I've had more time to read, when I've had more time to think about mission and vision, have more time for my kids and my wife. I need to continue that through. And Coach Olson talks about this, Aaron, and you'll know this, but, you know, I need being the same person I am at work and at home and how important that is. And I think this time just makes me think about that even more and how I need to be a better person. And, you know, Todd always says, it. you know, we want to be better. And um, I think I've really wanted to use this time to become better, not only as an AD, but as a dad, as a husband. And, you know, we talked about our one word earlier in the year, and that for me was vision and having that time to reflect and to come up with that vision. And now I need to live and breathe that when we get out of this time and make sure that my time is intentionally used to, to have those things still in my life, even when we're not working from home and have more time. Um, so thank you for bringing that up tonight. That was a, a great teachable moment for, for me. So thank you, Aaron. You bet. Thanks, Scott. Phil, we'll give you last thoughts on, on this. Well, I think uh, you all three make excellent points. Uh, the word that uh, I think we're all going to have to deal with is adaptability. We're going to have to be able to adapt. And you, you make analogies on great situations that we're all going to have to deal with as we hopefully are able to open our venues for, uh, for events. Uh, but uh, adapt. We're going to have to adapt. And when we say us, that means our student athletes are going to have to adapt. Our coaches are going to have to adapt. Our parents are going to have to adapt. Everyone's going to have to adapt. And I agree with one thing that Todd said. I hope – I hope we get to the point to where uh, our parents have a better appreciation for the fact of what's taking place when an activity occurs. Don't take it for granted. <laughs> yeah. We appreciated that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Aaron, I'm going to throw it back to you for that because you didn't really comment on it. And I know you got a comment in that, uh, that brain of yours. If you saw the, I don't know if you guys saw that post today or not. Um, when I sent that quote out um, via Gipper, thank you very much. <laughs> I worked those sponsors in, right? Um, the picture of the athlete I put on there is, is a young man uh, named Jacobus. Um, four sport athlete for us, went down to the University of Arkansas, was a decathlete down there, All-American decathlete for Arkansas. He's coaching out Arkansas Little Rock uh, as their multi and jumps coach down there. And for me, when I think about the word hustle, I think about that kid. Um, and this quote really stuck me. And I thought of him. So I went and I dug a picture out I had of him long jumping at Drake Relays. Uh, oh, that was probably state meet. Now I think about it. That was probably state meet jump for him. He was a state champ. Um, I think of him because I think he, he was a young man who was willing to do things nobody else is willing to do. He was as talented, he was a talented kid, but he outworked everybody. If there was an extra set to be done, uh, his answer was always yes, not no. If there was extra work to be done, his answer was yes, not no. If there was a tough conversation to be had with a teammate, it was always a yes, not a no. 
Um, and then he was smart enough to say no to things that he knew would take him off course. Uh, I really thought about him a lot when I, when I was reading that quote, and I, that's why I put his picture on there, because he reminds me of this. And I guess the challenge I, I've been thinking about personally on this is, am I willing to do the things I know I should be doing, I should, I, I should want to do as an athletic administrator to make my, my school community, our school, our coaching staff better? Am I always willing to do that? Am I, am I, am I jumping in that and saying, yep, absolutely, I'm in, or am I letting the self-doubt and the what-ifs keep me from jumping all in? keeping me from unlocking the potential of not just myself, but our kids or coaches, our school. Um, and so that's what I think about. I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on when I think of that quote, um, uh, just the willingness to pursue our very best and, and, and to take on that journey that it's, that it's going to require of us. So, yeah. Well, and the way it's, the way you have it when it's typed here on our screen on the document the, the term willingness is one on top of each other. Yeah. Comes back to a choice, a personal choice on a lot of things, you know, personally, like Scott said, personally, professionally, that we have to be willing to say yes when we need to say yes and, or say no and willing to say no when we, when a lot of people say yes. Um, I just find it interesting that willingness is on top of each other right there too. Yeah. I'd like to say I plan that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the word that keeps sticking out to me. So anyway, thanks. That's a great one. Um, Phil, thank you, man. God bless you. We appreciate having you on. Um, it's been inspiring for us and thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you all for what you do daily. Appreciate yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Phil. Aaron, Scott, good to see you. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Reminder next week, Oof. Boy, I'm not back to back. I mean, yeah, we are two hitters in a row. And uh, Scott, again, remind us who we got on next week. We have Marty and Vicky Burlesworth, um, story of Brandon Burlesworth, and That's then awesome. Arkansas uh, head coach Mike, or excuse me, Coach Tice from Arkansas. So we got a nice show again next week. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'll be yeah, fun. fun. What a story. Yeah. yeah. Awesome story. So if you haven't watched the movie Greater, this would be the week to do it. Watch that movie. I'm going to watch it again and uh, just to brush up again. But uh, we look forward to having them on next week. So anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, thank you again to our sponsors, Hometown Ticketing, to Gipper, and also to Varsity Bound. And a big thanks to Varsity Bound as well. Appreciate them and their support. And uh, Everyone out there, have a great week. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep finding ways and be blessed.